Jonah 2.10. And the Lord spake to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto the preach and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. <clears throat> and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the, great, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and satin ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king of, and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor stock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let them, but, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works, and they, t- and, that, and they turned from their evil way, and God repented of his evil that he had said, and he would not do unto them, and he did not. Good morning. It's a joy to be here in the Lord's house this morning. I'd like to ask you this morning as we begin... What place have you given to the word of the Lord? What place have you given to the word of the Lord? In terms of the things that have stirred your heart, renewed your mind, has the word of the Lord been given priority in your life? If no one, according to Matthew chapter 6, in the midst of Jesus' teaching Sermon on the Mount, If no one can serve two masters, who or what, perhaps, is currently holding sway over your life? I was drawn to the hymn written by, or adapted by, I suppose, Daniel Whittle in 1878, the second stanza of the hymn room for pleasure room for business but for Christ the crucified not a place that he can enter in the heart for which he died and the chorus says room for Jesus king of glory hasten now his word obey hasten now His word, obey. Swing the heart's door widely open. Bid him enter while you may. You know, we've been looking in the book of Jonah. In Jonah chapter 1 verse 9, we see 
Jonah give testimony to who he is. I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. And you read that and you also see in verse 3 the action taken by this same Jonah. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Church, there's no better time than right now to obey the word of the Lord. Jonah has been through quite a lot in these first two chapters. He received a call from a sovereign king to go and preach against Nineveh's wickedness. We see also a response from that call. We see Jonah running from the sovereign king, fleeing from the presence of the Lord, the text says. We see in verse 4, the Lord sending a divine storm, targeting Jonah, but no doubt including all of the mariners on board ship. We see then this call to prayer. The captain comes and calls Jonah to pray to his God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we might not perish. Each man crying out to his own God. We see the casting of lots. The question, who's responsible for the storm? And we see these questions then come in a flurry upon Jonah. And the wonder at why Jonah would do such a thing. Why have you done this? Is the question. You see, because they had a hard time reconciling why anyone would desire to run from their God. And then the question, what do we need to do to you? The inquiry to the one who was guilty as to what do we need to do with you? And we saw Jonah's answer, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then we saw the actions taken by the mariners. And we spoke about those actions, the rowing, trying to go back to land. The praying to Jonah's God. And then ultimately throwing Jonah overboard. But you see, that's not the end of the story because those weren't the only actions found in the text. No, the text gives us actions taken by God as well. Let's not miss that because you see, as we go through the book of Jonah, one of the things that we see very clearly in the book of Jonah is the heart of God. We see the work of God. And so we see that when Jonah went into the sea and was thrown overboard, we see that the sea stopped from its raging. You see, God is working. But we see God also working at the end of chapter 1. Because the text says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Had prepared a great fish. The Lord had in store this great fish, even in light of Jonah's disobedience. And that fish came along at just the right time, didn't it? We saw last week Jonah's prayer, his time in the belly of the fish. His prayer to God out of his affliction, his recognition of his helpless situation, his gratitude to God, his declaration that salvation 
is of the Lord. And so now we arrive at Jonah chapter 2 verse 10 where we left off last week. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah on to dry land. I don't know, maybe because I have young boys, maybe I just think this is just like one of the greatest verses. Right? Young men especially, huh? Come on. This is... This is good stuff right here in verse 10, chapter 2. Uh, there's something that's appealing when I, when I see chapter 2, verse 10. And you know, we need to remember that, that the Lord who prepared the great fish in chapter 1, verse 17, is the same Lord who now speaks to the fish. The divine directive to swallow Jonah is now, some three days later, Vomit him out on the dry land. How did the fish know it was time to do such a thing? You know, while you, while you don't have a picture of how this speaking to the fish actually happened, the word of the Lord went forth and this, this fish, this great fish, responds accordingly. And the text, the text is very matter-of-factly, it seems, just in terms of uh, this, this whole situation. The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. No arguing. No debating. No rationalizing. No bickering. No complaining. Just simply acting in accordance to the word of the Lord. And you know, I got to thinking, oh, to have that kind of obedience. To walk by faith when he gives me instruction. To take him at his word. And to walk accordingly. I think there's a lesson here. From the great fish, church. <laughs> it's humbling how the Lord shows simple obedience through a fish. As you get to the next verse, the Lord is not done speaking. Look at Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. So you see, the, the word of the Lord spoken to the fish, and now the word of the Lord spoken to man, to Jonah, a second time. Jonah has been in a death-like experience in the belly of the great fish, and now he sits on dry land. The text doesn't give specific details as to how much time transpired between his arrival on land and his second call from the Lord. I tend to believe the two were relatively close together though. Almost as though the Lord's saying, you know, be, before you forget where you've been, let me show you where you're going. 
once again. Let me direct you once again to your mission. And you know, from an application standpoint, is it possible? Is it possible that some of you today have forgotten where you've been? Remember that fish of the belly experience perhaps some of you have gone through. Remember the situation that you just came out of, perhaps. And the Lord's saying, now walk with me, go this way. You know, I was drawn, just reminded once again of Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Listen to these words. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Don't forget where you've been. Don't forget who you once were. Don't forget it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any of us should boast. this word of the Lord that came to Jonah. It came a second time. I found that interesting. That as a prophet of the Lord, Jonah is given another chance. Notice that his status as prophet is not stripped from him. Notice he's not put on some double secret probation by the Lord and treated differently now. Because of his sin. Notice that the word of the Lord goes to Jonah a second time. And in the fact that it went to him a second time, we also need to notice something about the Lord here, church. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is not just about disciplining his children just for the sake of disciplining them. Jonah has been put back into play. And he's received the commission once again to go to Nineveh. For those... And there may be some here today. I don't ever want to assume that they're not. Maybe some of you are here today. Some of you who think you have gone too far, you've disobeyed too much, you've run too great a distance away from the Lord. This text today is filled with hope. It's filled with hope. 
See, the heart of God is put on display right here. God is a a merciful God. He's full of compassion. A disciplinarian for sure. He does not bypass sin. But he is no doubt a God filled with love for his people, desiring each one to come to repentance that they might not perish. And we need to know this too about the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is still available today. And we need to stop relying upon the empty goods of the world and walk in the way of the word. See, some perhaps desire a merciful God only to grant you a longer line of sinful living. Oh, I was reminded of what Paul says in Romans. Shall we go on sinning so that grace might increase? Certainly not, he says. You see, understanding who you are in Christ and the grace that has saved you does not allow you to live however you might like to live. You've been created by God. You've been bought by God. You're not your own. Steward your life for the Lord Jesus Christ and walk in the light of the word of the Lord. Look at verse 2. Oh, by the way, the text says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. We've got to know this too. It's not two strikes and you're done. The word of the Lord can come more than two. The objective, though, is that we would obey the first time. Children, we know this to be true in our homes, don't we? We call it in our home first-time obedience. Not when you feel like it. Not when you get around to it. First-time obedience. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother that you might live long in the land the Lord your God has given to you. You see, there are things that we're to be doing. There are things the word has called us to be about doing. And I'm grateful that the Lord has given Jonah, we see evidence of it in the text, he's given him a second call. And I praise the Lord that we serve a faithful and merciful, forgiving God. In verse 2, we see the content of the word of the Lord. What is specifically this word of the Lord? We see the content of it right here in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. It's interesting when you look at Jonah 1 verse 2 and Jonah 3 verse 2. You see these calls side by side. 
The first one, they're very similar. The first one is go and preach against it. Right? Preach against Nineveh, for their wickedness has come up against me. And here in chapter 3, we see go, but then we see a slight modification. Preach to it. King James says, the preaching, I bid thee. You know, I was reminded here in the text of this going and preaching. I was drawn to David and his psalm of repentance. And just verses 12 through 15 of chapter 51. David says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And listen to what he says. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. Remember what David did, right? He committed murder and then he committed adultery. He says, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. That's kind of interesting too, that he refers to his God as the God of his salvation. Jonah's just declared at the end of chapter 2 that salvation is of the Lord. But then he says this, Deliver me, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. How many of you know that with the Lord there is hope? There's hope. David commits murder and adultery and offers to the Lord a broken and contrite heart. You see, David is known as, and mentioned in Scripture, as a man after God's own heart. Not because he was upright and had perfect character. (laughs) He's mentioned as a man after God's own heart because, you see, David knew where to turn when confronted and convicted by his sin. He knew where to take his sin. And he repented of his sin. And he longed for God to use his painful experience for the glory of God. That sinners might be converted, that he might teach them God's ways, that he might sing aloud the righteousness of God and show forth God's praise. In short, that he might be a testimony for the Lord, a vessel of use to the master of his life. Contrary to what the world would tell you, broken vessels are not worthless. The evil one, though, would have you believe that you are finished. You're finished. You're done. He'd have you believe that the masquerade is all over. You you aren't fooling anyone. He'd have you believe that your life has been wasted. You're a fake And by the way, you're not welcomed in God's family. Look at what you've just done. You ought to just give it up right now. That's what he would have you believe. But you see, under the direction of the Lord, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, 
broken vessels are credible witnesses for Jesus. Church, the Lord desires humble servants, not a squad of all-stars. He's looking for broken and contrite hearts, not polished resumes and pleasant exteriors. When we read the Sermon on the Mount and we read the Gospels in, in general, we see Jesus speaking to the heart pointing out the flaw and folly of man trying to paint the exterior to make it look good. Look a bit closer at the content of the word of the Lord in verse 2. He says, Go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Jonah, you're going to go to Nineveh to preach the message I tell you. This isn't going to be your own message. This is going to be my message. I have a word for the people of Nineveh, and you're going to proclaim it. Stick to the script, Jonah. Preach my words. Herald my message, Jonah. Oh, that the church of Jesus Christ would have preachers whose sole aim and objective might be the proclamation of the word of the Lord. What if his word served as the road map for where the preacher goes? What if his word became the starting point, the journey, and the end point for all that needed to be spoken? See, there are some messages that are the starting point, but we never get back to it. What if the word was a starting point, the journey, and the end point for all that needed to be spoken? And what if the word of the Lord went forth with all boldness in the power of the Holy Spirit, calling men to the things that matter to God. What if the word of the Lord was preached as it truly is, the living, active, sharp, heart-convicting, soul-searching, penetrating, thought-judging, mind-renewing, life-transforming word of God. Amen? That's what it is. This word of the Lord, church, needs no props to make it stand. From what I see in the scripture, the psalmist declares that the word of the Lord stands firm. It's eternal. It doesn't need any props to make it stand up and look nice. You see, the preacher is not simply the one who stands to speak on a given Sunday.
In case you are picturing this word to Jonah as applying solely to those God used as prophets or even to those God may use today as preachers, let me take this a little bit closer to home for you. You too are to hold fast the word of life. Men, Philippians 2, 16, hold fast that word of life. Men, if you love your wives, you will wash them in the word of the Lord. Men, if you love your children, you will wash them in the word of the Lord. You know, the Old Testament oftentimes speaks of various famines that occur, right? A lot of different famines happen, uh, in particular during the Old Testament. And, and, and there's some in the New, but I'm just reminded of, from time to time in the Old Testament, how that, that we hear the news of a famine in the land and, and that imagery, that picture. You know, I believe there's a, there's a famine in the land spiritually today among men and women. Pertaining to the word of the Lord. Whole households are being neglected because there's a famine in the home. Men, you've been placed at the helm for such a time as this. You have a window that's starting to close on the time that your children are in the home. Some of you... Your children are already gone and grown. But there are others. Your children are still there. You have an opportunity to make an eternal difference in the lives of your children, in the life of your wife. But you see, this word needs to be spoken as well to the women. You see, women, you too have an opportunity. The men are not the only ones. Perhaps going through this famine, the word of the Lord. It's easy to point to the men. They're God's appointed leaders in the home. It seems easy to point to the men. And I think there are many times where the application just comes so natural to the men. Because why? They're the leaders God has chosen in the home. But women, you too, are responsible before the Lord to walk in this word. Feed on this word. Hunger and thirst for his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. If your husband is neglecting his duty before the Lord to lead in the word. That is no excuse for you to sit on the sidelines, women. No excuse for your own heart to grow cold toward these wonderful words of life. I want to encourage you in that. The text says, go to Nineveh. 
and preach to it the message that I tell you. Be ready. Be alert. You know, God, God may have you preach the word to someone else. And to some of you right now, that's frightening. That he might actually have an assignment for you to speak and proclaim the word of the Lord to someone else. He may have a ticket waiting for you to go to a Nineveh of some kind. The question is, are you going to be willing to preach the message he gives you? And when you rely upon the word of the Lord to reach the Nineveh in your life. You see, it's important to listen carefully to what he's saying and know that his message, while it may not be the most popular message of the day, it's the message you are intended to preach and proclaim from the rooftops. This is the message. This is the word. Look at Jonah 3, verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. Here we see obedience to the word of the Lord. Obedience to the word of the Lord. And we contrast this with with Jonah 1, verse 3. But Jonah, they get the call in verse 2, chapter 1, and then you read, but Jonah. But Jonah arose to flee <coughs> to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The key is this. Jonah went to Nineveh, chapter 3, verse 3, according to the word of the Lord. You see, his, his walking now is predicated upon the word of the Lord. He's no longer going in his own direction, looking for a ship to hide out from the presence of the Lord, but instead he's going down the Lord's path. He's drawing near to him through simple obedience. You remember the song, Where He Leads, I Will Follow? Where He Leads, Me, I Will Follow. Where He Leads, Me, I Will Follow. I'll go with him, with him. Not part of the way. Not just the, not just the, the way that I, that I can go until I start feeling uncomfortable. No, I'll go with him all the way. That's what the song says. And I believe that's what he's calling for here in the text. Is that we go with him all the way as he's leading. Notice the text says that Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Let's be clear. In what way was it great? Well, I can say one thing for sure based on what text says elsewhere in Nahum. It was great in in sin. Huh? It was great in, in perversity and wickedness. But you know, thinking about this exceedingly great city... You know, when you hear good news from someone, sometimes you'll respond and say, wow, that's, that's great. 
That's good. Or you're describing some kind of you know, experience. Some, some, wow, this is... What a, what, a, what a great catch that was. I reminded of that catch in, in the Super Bowl, right? Down the sidelines. You probably remember if you watched it. It was a great catch. I was reminded of how I temp- would use this as well. There are times when I go to officiate that, that schools have what they call a hospitality room. Kind of interesting. A hospitality room. Well, all it is is someone brings a bunch of food in, and it's open for administrators and coaches and, and even referees get to go in and enjoy it. And it's great! It is. But Nineveh was great. Not in that good kind of way. Nineveh was great in scope. Nineveh was great in magnitude. It was an exceedingly large city. The whole of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, was quite large. And it's to this place that God is directing Jonah. Go to Nineveh. Preach to it. The message I tell you. Look at verse 4. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Right here we have an excerpt from the word of the Lord. We're still talking about the word of the Lord. This is an excerpt. That's what I refer to as an excerpt from the word of the Lord. You know, I find it interesting that the excerpt from the word of the Lord preached by Jonah is this. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, church, this is not necessarily the typical way to win a group of pagans over to the Lord. The excerpt provided in the biblical text is a word of warning, isn't it? It's a word of judgment to come. And some might be inclined to ask, where are the evangelism words? Here again, I believe the light given to us in the text is instructive and profitable for the soul. You see, the excerpt from the word of the Lord goes against much of the preaching today against sin. On many occasions, sin is not even mentioned. Sin is too offensive in some pulpits today. Speaking of sin might ruffle some feathers. Talk about sin... You might possibly lose some of your congregants. You might even perhaps lose some of your greatest tithers if you talk about sin. Preach sin and you're deemed old-fashioned, out of touch with the modern times. And I think about that and I think since when... Is sin no longer a valid topic of instruction in the church? Who declared it okay now not to talk about sin? 
We got everything all covered and all figured out now, right? We don't need to talk about sin anymore. Has anyone looked lately at the course of the world we're in? Is it possible as a believer in Christ to view this world through a lens absent of sin? Come on. Is it? Has the church forgotten that sin, remember, remember the Hebrew writer talks about this sin that so easily entangles? That sin that Christ took upon himself in the flesh when he went obediently to the cross some 2,000 years ago. See, sin has been accounted for, paid for completely by Jesus. But as long as there is this earth intent, there is still that sin nature present. And the preaching called for today is not preaching absent of sin. Any preaching that upholds the word of the Lord must include the sin of man. You see, the gospel is compromised. The gospel is diluted. It's truly no gospel at all if you don't talk about sin. Because as we went through the book of Romans, what did we talk about? This gospel, this good news, couched within the good news. In fact, right at the beginning of the good news is bad news. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Preaching words of judgment and warning, in addition to saying that three-letter word, S-I-N, No one seemingly wants to sound the alarm today. Judgment and warning are just for the old time preachers. Many of you recall Jonathan Edwards and his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And people point to that message as the classic hellfire and brimstone message. My question in light of the text in Jonah 3 verse 4 is where is the proclamation regarding the judgment to come for today? Where is the warning proclamation from the mouth of Christ's messengers today? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror or the judgment of the Lord, we persuade men. You see, what God is calling Jonah to do and to be about in going to Nineveh to preach the message that he gives to them. And we see the excerpt from the word of the Lord in verse 4. It's a word of warning. It's a word of judgment. Let's not be confused here. Let's not think this is only a message intended for Jonah to speak to Nineveh. Because as I read in Corinthians, Paul is writing to a group of believers, reminding them of the judgment to come. Reminding them that knowing therefore the judgment, we persuade 
men. You see, church, that's what we ought to be about in light of that judgment to come. As big as Nineveh was, Jonah, no doubt, had many opportunities to herald the king's message. Time and again, the Lord would give his prophet words to speak. Imagine Jonah walking from place to place within the scope of Nineveh, calling people to wake up in regards to their sin. You know, I don't know about you, but when you read the text, let's not think for a moment that Jonah walked into Nineveh and the Lord just orchestrated it in some way that all the people of Nineveh just gathered together in one area and they got together in this big amphitheater and and they were just listening to what Jonah had to say and they welcomed him upon arrival and See, I, don't, I, don't, I believe he was walking through. This is a big city. I believe he's walking through, and at various points, he's speaking these words. And a summary of the words, a summary of the word of the Lord is given to us in Jonah chapter 3, verse 4. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overturned. That's a summary of the message. And it's not the entirety, I believe, of the message, but it's definitely a summary from what we have in the text of that message. What then was the result of the proclamation? Look at the first part of Jonah 3, verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believed God. This is a response to the word of the Lord. A response to the word of the Lord. Notice the text says that the people of Nineveh believed God and not Jonah. They believed God. This was not a case of persuasive speech for Jonah. He didn't prepare some airtight case for why they needed to turn to the Lord. He simply spoke the words of his master. Preach the preaching I bid unto thee. So speaking the words of his master, what's that implying? What's that mean? Well, I believe the text would lead us to believe that the word of the Lord was sufficient for hearts to change. I believe that the word of the Lord, church, we see here brings about transformation. The word of the Lord pierces the heart and renews the mind. See, faith comes, Scripture says in Romans, comes by what? Hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. That's how it happens. Church, we need to be about letting the Word of the Lord win the day and gain victory. Here's a question for you. Are you willing? Are you content to be an available and willing vessel? Are you content with that? One writer said, you must remain only the instrument. You see, when the Lord calls and the Lord gives direction to go, are you willing to go only if you can 
add your words? Or are you content going, understanding and realizing that the Lord is the one who's going to give you the word? I'm good with that. Are you good with that? Making it his words. That you then become a vessel, an instrument, a herald for the message of the king. You know, in, in, in days ago where, where the herald would ride in and there would be a bunch of horses and they'd go into the village and they'd get off the horse and do 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 Remember that? Message from the king. You know what? When they opened up that scroll and they read that thing, I guarantee you the guy reading it didn't insert his own words. If he did... He wasn't going to be heralding the king's message anymore. Someone was going to find him out. No, he read from the scroll. He read from what the king had written. And it's important whether we're preaching on a Sunday morning or whether you are leading in your home that you stick to the script. And the script is the word of the Lord. That's the word. Luke eleven thirty two says the men of Nineveh, this is Jesus speaking, the gospel. The men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. It's good to know that, have that as kind of a, a frame of reference here in the text. He says the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. They heard the word of the Lord, they repented of their sin. And then a few verses earlier in Luke eleven thirty, Jesus says this, for as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. That's Luke eleven thirty. 30. Question. In what way did Jonah become a sign to the Ninevites? In what way? That's a good question to ask based on the text. In what way did Jonah become a sign to the Ninevites? Was it simply relaying the one excerpt from the Lord in Jonah 3, verse 4? Was that how he became a sign? By going from place to place within Nineveh and saying, yet 40 days and shall be overturned. I believe Jonah was used by God to preach to the Ninevites not only the message of warning and judgment to come, but also as a man who had been as good as dead. Jonah preaches and testifies to what the Lord has done in his life, literally raising him up from the dead. <laughs> Sheol, the text says. His bars closed behind him. I was reminded of the hymn, and we sang one of them this morning already, and how the Lord lifted me. And I was, there's another one that came to mind was, I was sinking deep in sin. You know, I, I could hear Jonah singing this, can't you? I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. I think this is his theme song. Very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. When he got thrown overboard, I believe that's what he thought. He's done. But the master of the sea 
heard my despairing cry. And that's Jonah chapter 2, the prayer. From the waters lifted me. He says a lot more politically correct. The text says vomit. Now safe am I. Safe not to do his own thing, but to go in the way of the Lord. Now. You see, the response from those in Nineveh is a testimony, church, to what God can do. Even the most vile, wicked people, hostile to God, can turn from their wicked ways and repent. And I amen to that. That's wonderful. And for some of you sitting in a chair this morning, you know somebody, maybe it's a family member, an extended family member, a good friend who's one of those good people, but they're just wicked. As all, they're, they're just, their value system is out there in left field, apart from God. When I read the text and I see what the Lord can do through these wicked Ninevites, I praise the Lord because you know what? There's still hope. Talk about revival. See, Nineveh was not simply some geographic location on a map. When God saw Nineveh, he saw people. You can can do that. Do a little math. Nineveh equals. What's it equal? Not just a city, not just some place on a map. Nineveh is people. What's the Bible say God thinks about people? You see, seeing it as a city and as this exceedingly great city, large city, is one thing. But seeing Nineveh as a group of people, a group of people who are lost apart from God, without hope in this world. That's how God sees them. And church, that's how you and I ought to see them. And yet the text says Nineveh believed God. They believed the word of the Lord spoken through the Lord's servant, Jonah. And so question today, as we look at the text and and, and we respond, what is your response to the word of the Lord? We, We see Nineveh's response. What is your response to the word of the Lord? Every time we have an opportunity to get together as a body and we get to open the word, Study the word, hear the word. What is your response? This is not simply an exercise where we come together on Sunday, we hear a word preached, and then we close the Bible and we go on our own way. No, no. If there is not a response from the word, we're missing it. What is it the Lord would have you to do today in light of the word? He's given you. The Holy Spirit is your greatest teacher. Ask of the Holy Spirit what he would have you to know from the word that he himself has co-authored. Are you eager to hear this word? Is the word of the Lord optional for you? Or is it something that you long for, that you desire? Or as the psalmist says in Psalm 1, do you delight in this word of the Lord? So much so that what the word says, what he tells you here in his word, you take by faith and you walk in this way. And these are your marching orders and this is the way you march. Because we serve a great king. And if he's given instruction, I want to march that way.
So, are you going to walk this day according to the word of the Lord? We're going to pick up next week in verse 5. There's a lot more to be said here about the Ninevites believing God. Their belief, as you look at the text, their belief is accompanied by action, isn't it? So church, what place? What place have you given to the word of the Lord? And today, what is your response to the word of the Lord? You see, because we have a story to tell to the nations, don't we? We've got a story. And the story, let's, let's, let's be real clear. The story is not primarily about us, about me. Well, that may be part of the story. And no doubt the Lord can use your story in getting his word out. But no, no, the, the primary part of the story is about the one who has saved you. The captain of your soul. The anchor for your soul. The one who gives you life. The one who gives you hope. That's the one. He's the one. Let's be diligent, church, to walk in the way of the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that where you lead, we would follow. Pray that where you would send us, we would go. Pray that we would be reminded of that cross before us. The world would be behind us. And Father, as the song says, I believe very true. The declaration that though none go with me, I still will follow. Oh, Father, that's so true because we know from the word and Jesus tells us that the the world is going to hate us because we follow you. But Lord, I pray that it would be the declaration of our hearts that, that we would desire to walk down that way. The word also tells us it's a narrow path and there are a few who find it. Oh Lord, guide us, I pray by your Holy Spirit. May we as a church body keep in step with the Holy Spirit. May we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. May we... Walk according to the word of the Lord. Oh, Father, thank you for this wonderful word. I give you praise for how profitable it is for us. Oh, Lord, I pray that your word would do the work that you would deem best in our lives. Father, we might be able to draw closer to you, that, Lord, you would sanctify us, cleanse us, set us apart, Lord. Show us, Lord, the things that are truly important to you. Father, as we open and read your word, may we be diligent to respond to what you have to say. May we be responders to your words. And may we speak those words, Lord, to others unashamedly. That we might give you glory. That we might be your vessels. That we might be your instruments. Useful for the master. Oh, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.